Welcome back to Let's Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic film, Jaws, minute by minute or thereabouts. I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I am Sarah Buttery. And very exciting, we have our first returning guest uh, on the podcast this week. So welcome back to Harley Mumford. Hi, Harley. How are you doing? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me back on. I, I was just wondering, actually, leading up to this, like, yeah, am I your first returning guest? I guess I am. That's that's really cool. You you sure are. I don't think you are the last either. There are mm. a, a select few uh, who are coming back for a, a second shot at this. But uh, yeah, we, we were keen to have you uh, back on for another episode. We have invaded your podcast many times, uh, <laughs> so it seems... <laughs> It seems only right that you come back for a for a second episode of of LJ Fam. So uh, yeah, are you uh, are you feeling excited about this week's scene? Uh, how does it compare to the the last one that you that you spoke about? I mean, about? I don't know if much happens in this one to be honest. <laughs> I was a little bit oh really the one where Hooper plays cards. That's what you want me to come back for. But I mean, I I guess we can talk about it, you know, for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll find something to talk about this, like <laughs> not at all iconic, no memorable lines. Uh mm. yeah, pretty pretty nothing scene really. Uh <laughs> so <laughs> as you are a returning guest, we don't have to ask you uh the Jaws question. You have already answered it, so uh mm. you can head on back to uh Harley's last episode. I can't remember what episode it was exactly, but it was around uh Alex Kintner month, right? When you when you came it- on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the beginning of that, I think. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Yeah, the yeah. first the first uh week in Alex what became known as Alex Kintner month uh from <laughs> that point. So, yeah, you can uh head back and listen to that episode, which I would recommend you doing so cuz it was a, a very very fun episode. Mm. Um and yeah, this uh this week's scene is a big one. Uh we were being <laughs> silly at the start and saying <laughs> that there's no iconic moments or uh memorable lines this scene is full of them uh so it is uh the timestamp one hour 20 minutes and five seconds to one hour 21 minutes and 30 seconds uh, and in this scene we start with quint uh up in the crow's nest on the top of the boat hooper is playing cards on the deck below and uh brody is sort of sat towards the back of the boat uh fiddling about with a rope still uh <laughs> Quint tells Brody to sort of start up the the chum line again and Brody is uh not happy about uh being asked to do this particular task um and uh Brody reluctantly starts throwing the 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 fish heads out and the chum out as Quint sort of takes a seat in the back of the boat uh, or inside of the boat I should say um and then uh shock horror Everyone recoil. The shark appears right by Brody. Uh, he jumps back, looking very startled, uh, and backs away, and then says, you're gonna need a bigger boat. 
oh yeah <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> to have made it to this scene uh this feels like another like real benchmark that we have reached uh in these in these episodes that we're doing um and yeah we are gonna have a lot <laughs> to say about this so uh over to you first harley with uh, anything that you picked up on in in this scene or that you wanted to mention about this scene i mean i don't know if i want to get straight into the quotes i feel like i feel like it's good to build up to that you know yeah it's, build it up make it people the, wait yeah it is very much the elephant in the room but we will get to it um <laughs> i just i really liked what, watching back over it today i was just reminded of just again the the genius of spielberg and just mm. how so much of it is so simple and the, th the thing that really leapt out to me was just the absence of music i know you've commented on this before but like it really just makes you feel so eerie when you're watching it that it's just silence for the longest time and then as soon as old bruce pops his head up we get screeching <laughs> violins and it just it's a really that that really stood out to me this time watching it especially with you know headphones on and really concentrating on it just how much that makes you jump out of your skin yeah this scene is there's something i i noticed that i don't think once again i don't think i've ever really said out loud about the the film before and that's I don't know how you guys are as far as like fear of water and stuff. Sarah, I know you've mentioned, I think we're about the same where it doesn't, we don't really have an issue with the ocean. Um, <laughs> but I find that when I'm near the water, whether it's the ocean or the a lake or, or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and I think most people feel this way because people will put on ocean noises or like babbling brook no noises to fall asleep. They feel at peace. They feel relaxed. They feel comfortable. Mm. Uh, not the case with how the water is used in this film. Um, <laughs> it is very scary. It's very scary mm -hmm. in, in this movie. Um, and there's just this, like, even though there's this, you know, there's no disruption of the water until, you know, we see Bruce in all his glory at the end of the scene uh watching the boat rock back and forth and partially like some of the angles that that he shoots um mm -hmm. particularly like quint in the crow's nest on mm -hmm. it's really unsettling it's really like creepy and eerie and you just don't know what's going to happen mm. and it's it's scary <laughs> yeah i you mentioned the score, Harley, but the one thing that I was really listening for in in the scene watching it this time around was the the sort of the rest of the the sound design and watching it like with my big headphones on and the volume turned up uh, maybe louder than I should, but you know uh, <laughs> it helps to be able to hear everything. Is that there's so many other sounds happening and the the score is again like conspicuously absent like right at the start of this scene so therefore when it accompanies the shark popping up it is so much scarier because it is sudden and it is loud and it is these sort of jarring uh mm. screeching violins like you said the sound that sort of comes when you first hear that score but the the rest of the sound design in this scene is so good like the that sound of the waves i i'm with you mj i mean the like ocean wave sounds is meant to be like relaxing and peaceful but there's something about the way the sounds are used in this scene that is just so unsettling and i i think it is because it is accompanied with that 
um, those shots sort of like looking up at Quint where he is, you know, almost like a complete silhouette. We don't really see his his face or anything like that and the sort of other strange angles like looking down uh, on him from above as well we really see like the movement of the boat and you hear um the bit when sort of Brody like backs back into the cabin which which obviously we will get to but um you sort of hear like the creaking and squeaking of the orca as well which i think is so so effective in creating uh this sense of unease and and tension and it's yeah, I another thing that I sort of thought about was like how effective would that jump scare of the shark appearing be without the score? Um so I watched it like without the sound. <laughs> um oh. I just literally just like muted it and 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 just had the visual of it rather than the sound as well. Um and maybe it's just because I know exactly the moment when the shark appears because I have seen this film like a hundred times, but it is nowhere near as effective without the sound the sound does so much which is something that we mentioned in the the ben gardner scene as well because i think i mentioned on that episode where when i saw it with the live orchestra um they mucked up the the audio cue so the sound came in at the wrong bit it came like a a, a second or a half second after it should have done um and it was the sound that made people jump uh not the image of the the head appearing um so that john williams pretty pretty good composer pretty good <laughs> you can say that again yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah turns out that guy knew what he was doing yeah who knew pretty good who knew? <laughs> um, i'm so glad you brought up the the, the silhouette shots with um with quint because that really caught my attention this time watching it i thought it's kind of interesting the way they shot quint for a lot of this you know like mm. whether especially that shot as you say where you're looking up at him and he's mm-hmm. just obscured by light and by the mast and the various other bits and pieces of the boat. It's like, I thought that, that really feels quite ominous in a way. And I don't know, maybe I was reading too much into it, but then that is the nature of this, uh, this very <laughs> podcast. But I, I kind of felt like because that was at a moment where uh, Brody, you know, was in a way almost like talking back to Quint you know, and like trying to defy his orders in a way. And Quint was just like, no, not happening. And it just, I think it kind of added to that in a way, like it sort Mm -hmm. of set him up in this really sort of creepy shot where you're kind of like, oh, okay, no, maybe I better not talk back or better, I better just do as I'm told. I don't know. It just felt like it added something to that. Mm, it's, It's a pretty ominous shot. And I think we get another like really, really, striking quint silhouette shot a bit later in the film and he's like stood at like the end of the boat and the sun is setting um is one of my favorite shots in the film but this one is my favorite shot in the film yeah oh there we go yeah (laughs) i knew we'd get to it at some point uh we'll save talking about it until it happens but yeah this uh this like having a character in silhouette and it particularly it being quint as well i think is so effective because we can't really see his his facial expressions and at this point because this is pre-indianapolis speech there's still a lot we don't know about quint he is kind of this uh enigmatic man of mystery if you will we're gradually unpeeling the layers of of quint but him being higher up than the other two 
obviously naturally you get that sense that he is sort of like lording it over them he's looking down on them like he is literally looking down on them on on the bottom of the boat so he has positioned himself in the place where he can sort of see everything and and keep an eye on hooper and keep an eye on brody as well all at the same time um but as he is talking to to brody and brody sort of like claps back at him a little bit when you're then like go back to looking up at quint we don't see is he smiling is he frowning is he scowling does he look really angry we don't we don't know so it is sort of mm. like adding again to that sort of mystery of this scene and the the tension as well that has really been building up the moment that we got on the orca we've been talking about how effective it is in in building up tension and obviously we are breaking it down into these uh these little bite-sized chunks so we have sort of just by the way we're sort of doing this broken up that tension um by by taking a you know a chunk at a time but it's it's you still feel it because we you know everything that has happened they've had a sort of like a close call with the with the shark or with something that that took a bite and these sort of quite fractured relationships as well between the characters and that bit with the the real kind of like clicking very very slowly like all of these things have been building up this this tension um and we thought or kind of had a bit of a like a red herring in last week's scene where you think that the the scare is going to come um we mentioned it there's like a very very similar shot uh in the scene prior to this where uh brody says like the wire is showing um and you think that's going to be the bit when the shark appears, but then obviously it happens in in this scene. So it's it's so it's just so well done that building up of of the tension and those those shots of Quint really contribute towards that. I feel and sort of keeping a lot about him still like mysterious and still under wraps. We're we're still learning about this character. Yeah, I. He also is shot just like a pirate. Like it's very, you know, I said he was he was Jack Sparrowing his way through the the beginning of the voyage of the Orca. But here, like, I mean, this looks like a shot that would have come out of something like Mutiny on the Bounty or something. Like it, it just mm. looks it looks like a shot from a pirate film. And then I love when we get to the above shot of him standing in the crow's nest looking up at the sky and like assessing, I don't know, weather or something. Uh, or maybe the position of the sun in the sky, how Spielberg has divided the boat into thirds and mm. put like each guy in a third of the boat. It's really, it's really brilliant. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point. And I feel like there's a good, it's almost like a bit of a changeover here as well from previous previous scenes. Uh, as you were saying about, yeah, the, the ominous lighting and, and everything you just said, Sarah, I think is brilliant to be honest with you like that that's such a good point yeah you can't see him you can't gauge his reaction because i feel like in his delivery of some of his lines it it does feel like there's a slight shifting of the previously established relationships like the way that he talks to brody in this feels a little bit more stern not aggressive or hostile but it just feels a bit more direct um and with Hooper, it feels like he's having a bit more of a banter with him. Like he's still, a, you know, he's still taking the mick out of him and winding him up, but it doesn't feel as aggressive. It feels like there's a slight shift in tones with the characters in this scene as well. Mm, yeah, I so I've just I put it into our um, Discord chat that we can see whilst we're recording. But I think this is a, a poster 
that a lot of Jaws fans will be very familiar with. Uh, It is one that I have on my wall and it is possibly my favorite uh alternative jaws poster um and it is basically this this shot or sort of a variant on this shot where we see uh quint at the top of the boat and and brody at the back and hooper down below as well um you've got the barrels in there and it's even got the, the shark sort of like approaching or like the shark fin kind of coming in as well um and you really get the sense uh in this poster but in the shot in the film as well of the we're finally, I guess, seeing the entire orca. Like we we've spoken about in previous scenes, how they've done a really good job of making this boat seem really, really big. Um, and this is important because of the line that finishes our scene. This boat is actually really small, <laughs> or it certainly like in that overhead shot. Was it just me? Did it just make the boat seem like tiny to you? Because it's like you can see the mm-hmm. almost the entire thing like in that overhead shot. Um, oh, yeah. I really think they might need a bigger boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brody might have been on to something. Yeah. Do, do you know what? Brody I was just, right. <laughs> I just want to say, yeah, I mean, yeah, just just getting straight to it then, I guess that line, that's one of the reasons why I love it because it it's just logical. You know, like I, I remember watching this for the first time as a kid and being like, yeah, you need a bigger boat. You need, you need I don't know, like a warship or something to go out there. Because like, yeah, like you said, when you see it in this shot and I think later on in, in the next uh, coming up scenes, you've, you guys have, um, you know, there's a bit where the, the shark glides past the boat. And then you mm. get even more of a sense of how big this thing is in comparison to the boat. And when that happens, you're like, Oh man, yeah, you really do need a bigger boat. Like this thing is huge. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think the thing is though too. I mean, Quint has seen what it's like on a bigger boat, and it doesn't matter. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not the size of the boat; it's what you do with it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're okay. back to this again, huh? <laughs> It will never stop. <laughs> Jaws innuendo. Oh, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, speaking of, um, why don't you just segue into the oh, Quint's Quint's line to Hooper? Stop playing with yourself. I mean, it never it never fails to make me laugh. It's very childish, but always makes me uh, laugh. It's, it's so good. good. <laughs> it's such a good line. It's so like. And the way he says it, it almost feels like it wasn't in the script. Like it almost yeah. feels, <laughs> it almost feels like he was like, you can almost feel how self-satisfied, not mm. Quint, but Robert Shaw is that he just said this to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this, this, the way he delivers it makes me feel like this was something that like Robert Shaw said to Richard Dreyfus, like when they were sort of like behind the scenes, uh, just you know chilling out between takes or whatever like maybe i don't know <laughs> Dreyfus was doing something and he just said like stop playing with yourself richard or something like that when you mm. like make it the the real person saying it rather than the characters it 100 percent fits i could so see that <laughs> being the being the case i would love that to be true because it is it's such a great line it's so well delivered it's it's more funny after the fact i think like when you realize what he has said um because i love a, a joke that works on many levels i don't know if that was obvious with my love of puns um <laughs> but it's 
it's funny because you know the implication yes someone playing with themselves we know what that means right um and but yet hooper is playing a game by himself he is playing like solitaire or something it looks Mm -hmm. like um so it works on the two separate levels so you you laugh at the line and then you laugh at the the sort of the the extra layer of that joke as well and it is always funny it is one of the lines i think that gets like the biggest laugh when i've seen it in a theater so it's this and the 24 hours is like three weeks um bit that like when people hear it um they really really laugh at those at those lines it's it's wonderful one of my favorite lines in the film uh yeah i also i think there's like important one i love the way dreyfus reacts to this where he just looks at him like what the fuck dude i'm just playing i'm just playing solitaire i i feel like it's it's hooper just at the uh, kind of to what you guys said a few weeks ago just giving up like he's not giving him anything he's just kind of like yeah sure okay all right <laughs> he's just, just dejection in his face <laughs> it's brilliant yeah, I, so I love that, but I also do think that it shows that <clears throat> Hooper's kind of separating himself from this, right? Like, he's mm. he's off doing his own thing, um, mm. and, like, Brody is too, but not to this extent. Like, he's, we talked about it, he's still kind of, you know, messing around with the rope or whatever, but Brody just doesn't know what to do. Um, Hooper is <laughs> choosing to remove himself from the situation until he's needed. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, for sure. Um, just out of weird curiosity, I went and tried to find out what type of solitaire he was playing specifically, <laughs> um, because of course I did. Um, apparently it's classic or otherwise known as Klondike solitaire. That's according to hmm. Google. Hmm. So mm-hmm. there you go. <laughs> yeah, Somebody, yeah. When, uh, card fans. <laughs> yeah, when he wins, the, the decks are going to bounce bounce out towards him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're going to go everywhere. And... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> little fireworks. <laughs> a little, little throwback joke uh, for you yeah. there for the, for, for the three people that get it. Yeah, in case yeah, yeah. In, in case you didn't know, this show was hosted by millennials. There you go. Yeah, Gen Z found quaking. <laughs> what is a <Yeah>. Windows? <laughs> <laughs> Can I get that on my MacBook? <laughs> I thought that was something I saw out of. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to upset all of our Gen Z listeners. Um, <laughs> we love you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yep. Shout out to the three of you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I love derailing this show whenever I come on. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's what you're here for. <laughs> I know. So to try and bring it back a bit. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, MJ, you're right. I, I think that's such a good point. Yeah, he is, he's definitely taking himself out of it. Um, like you say, just almost waiting for something to do and to, mm. you know, when to be useful. Because that's something you do. It, it just kind of strikes me as odd that he's gone on this boat. He's gone on an expedition to track down, help them track down and potentially kill this shark that he knows is a problem, that he knows is big. He's got all this knowledge. He's brought all this gear with him. I just like to think think back to Hooper packing everything. You know, he's packing his poison, he's packing the canisters, and he decides to bring a pack of cards with him. <laughs> and I just, 
I like to think that when he was packing it, he was thinking, you know, maybe I'll get to know this guy, Quint, a bit better. Maybe, you know, in the evening we'll, we'll play a game and have mm. a few drinks. And now he's just resorted <laughs> to, well, I guess I'm playing by myself with, uh, with this one. <laughs> like, you know. Well, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't considered this, but... <laughs> Go on. This is now, and I, keep, I feel like I keep revising when I say this, that... It, this is now the most I relate to uh, Matt Hooper. <laughs> that because if you know me in real life, you know I always have a game of some sort on me, um, <laughs> and uh, I always want to play that game with you if we're hanging out in person. So, um, yes, that is very much my mo. Where it's like, should I bring games to this? And it's like, uh, yeah, we can, I guess. um i don't know why like with the exception of funerals that's about it (laughs) Uh, yeah do you know knowing knowing you the way i do i just i've got this vision of you now like rocking up to a funeral with a pinball machine just (laughs) (laughs) on wheels just like dragging it along it's a world under glass, guys. It's great fun. It's a world under glass. <laughs> Kristen just like, it's not the time for pinball, MJ. <laughs> it's the walking dead machine. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> She's like, of all the machines. you <laughs> and, there's, and there's no wheels. You just, you're dragging it through. And it's just, ah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> No, it's usually it's it. usually a card game or a, a board game of some sort. But I do I love games, and so mm. I, I mean, there's a deck of cards in my car always. Uh, so if there's mm. if I don't have specific border card games on me, I do have a deck of cards in my car <laughs> at all times. Mm. So uh, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I was aware of your similarities to Hooper and how much you relate to him as a character as well but this this is all the proof and evidence that I that I need now is uh, same yeah. here <laughs> but I the... really had not considered that until Harley you brought it up and then I was like oh that's exactly what I would have done yeah it it may uh, <laughs> yeah I this is another another scene where Hooper doesn't say anything as well and again this Mm -hmm. is just the nature of how we've we've broken it down but it's interesting like he he had his sort of uh moment with quint in last week's scene where he did sort of give a you know uh a a bit of a bit of lip back towards quint and it didn't sort of end very well for him it ended up with him you know uh pulling faces behind his back and then sort of you know going up to the to the top deck and then continuing to mock him uh behind his back so i think the the fact that he he says nothing in this scene again he is like you've both said he has just kind of taken himself off uh he is going to wait to be to be called upon but you mentioning like him him having all of that equipment with him as well is interesting that that isn't utilized until much much later and that is that is because of quint that is something that quint has to has to deal with and as their relationship i guess strengthens over the course of the film as well quint starts to realize actually maybe this guy isn't so bad and actually maybe he has some things with him that will work because none of the things we've tried so far 
um have worked but the fact that the the last time not the last time they spoke but the the time before that when uh quint sort of mocked the the canisters um that uh eventually uh spoiler alert other thing that work uh in killing <laughs> in killing the shark but sort of saying like oh real fine uh, expensive equipment you've got here mr hooper um it's no reason uh no surprise even that uh um hooper is sort of like keeping all of his uh his tricks and tools locked away and is just sat by himself playing cards on the back of the boat like waiting to be to be useful uh quint has 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 put him down he's uh barking orders at him kind of continuously and it's just hooper is rather than being in the thick of it and potentially having another confrontation he has just kind of taken himself away and uh this is where I relate to our <laughs> to our good friend uh, Hooper as well, because in any kind of like confrontation situation, if I'm with someone who is a bit kind of spicier or more fiery than me, um, when it all gets a bit much, I am very much the let me just take myself away for a little bit of quiet time. <laughs> I I am a, a classic introvert that is uh yeah when I uh am around people a lot. I need to take myself away like for a bit to kind of recharge my batteries. And I feel like that's what Hooper is, is doing in this scene because he could quite easily be on the back of the boat where Brody is, but he's not, he's, he's down by himself. Uh, and they have sort of created this, this division on, on the boat. And we see it, I mean, really clearly in this, this shot on the poster that I shared as well, I keep coming back to, but Quint is sort of like in the middle of them um Brody and Hooper haven't really had too many problems leading leading up to this point a a bit of a moment when sort of you know you pulled the wrong one when they're talking about the the equipment sort of coming uh coming loose but yeah they they have sort of like this divide if you will between the characters is kind of being caused by Quint and having this uh this particular shot with Quint you know separating the two of them as it were um, I feel like there's something in that. I don't. I don't know. Again, we're mm. reading a lot into this, which we, is what we do. <laughs> yeah, I think that's legit. I think it's it's a really good observation and and absolutely the case. And it leads me up to um, thinking about this one line that Sarah, you've promised uh, an explanation <laughs> of. And I don't know about you, MJ. I'm really excited to hear it. The the infamous line: Hooper drives the boat. Please tell us why that's. Uh, if I may, hi- I'm going to hijack your podcast now. Please tell us why uh, why that's used in your daily life. Absolutely, I think I have maybe told MJ this like off air, or maybe on an. I don't think I've mentioned it on another episode. I I hope not. Anyway, but um, yeah, <laughs> this is uh, Hooper drives the boat. Chief is the quote that I use most often in my everyday life uh, because. I drive uh, a car, not a boat, and my, <laughs> my fiance Martin uh, does does not. Uh, so when we're kind of like going about on our on our errands and stuff, um, I don't know, we're going to pick up like some coffees or we've got to go and pick up something in town. Um, I will generally make him get out of the car and like pick up the pick up the coffees or pick up whatever it is from the shop. And whenever he complains about it, which he does quite often, I always say Hooper drives the boat chief and he really hates it and it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> so I 
had never considered doing this. And I do most of the driving if Kristen and I are going somewhere. She drives and has her own car, but I do the driving most of the time because I have anxiety. Um, but uh, I pulled this on her last week, two weeks ago, and she was not happy. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Kristen. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I, MJ, I'm in the same boat, and I was just thinking maybe I should. And then you finish that story. I was like, nah, nah, definitely won't try that <laughs> in my life. No, definitely she did not, not take kindly to that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm married to a an, um, a fiery redhead Irish girl, so yeah, not taking that oh, risk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I mean feel free everyone to try this in your everyday life where it feels appropriate uh, film it and when... send it to us too yes, <laughs> yes. please the, the yes. hooper drives the boat chief challenge <laughs> <laughs> yeah let us know how many arguments uh it leads to um yeah <laughs> and i think that's safe to say that's the title of this episode right <laughs> <laughs> drives the boat chief challenger i <laughs> yeah i i've now used this so many times on martin that it no longer gets the sort of like indignant reaction he just like rolls his eyes now and is like yeah i guess, <laughs> I guess hooper does drive the boat chief <laughs> <laughs> i love that um... so much <laughs> i've been waiting i've been waiting for this uh scene because uh i think i've mentioned before like the the other sort of one that we use frequently is uh just when anything is either slightly irritating we just say sick vandalism um yeah. which is the when the, the what the, the mayor says about the board um but this this uh and that line are the ones that i uh, get used most often in my in my everyday life and uh yeah, it brings me a lot of joy every time, even if not the same amount of joy to the person that it is said to. <laughs> yeah, uh, unsurprisingly, my most frequently used one is a what? <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. yeah. And then more recently, 24 hours is like three weeks. Uh, mm, mm -hmm. yeah. That's a, a yeah. big pandemic mood. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's why I said more recently. That was didn't yeah. use that as much, and then pandy hit. So yeah, <laughs> I I think well, we will we'll get to the the proverbial elephant uh, in the room with with the line because I think that is one that is obviously used a lot and fits a lot of situations. But I I, I want to give the sort of the the proper amount of time to talking about that. So um just before then i <laughs> want to talk about how much i love brody in this scene prior to that moment i still love him at that moment it's not like i suddenly hate him but was it last um, last week where we talked about him being like a stroppy child where he's yeah. like hooks and lines what's the point like he's just like he's he is like a child in that scene and he is an angsty teenager in this scene and i love it so much and i i hadn't realized how much this is a thing in this half of the film that we we basically see yeah. brody go from like a child being like taught how to kind of like tie a rope with like a little rhyme or a or a little thing that sort of quint teaches him with the little brown eel and then 
we <laughs> we see him sort of like go through these these stages and there's so much in that that I just absolutely love but Brody in this oh it's it's so it's so beautifully delivered and cuz uh, obviously Quint asks him to um to start the the <laughs> the chum line and he's like make Hooper do it like this is classic having a sibling uh your parents have like asked you to to do something to like do some chores like tidy your room whatever and you are just like trying to get like the other sibling to do it um and then he sort of <laughs> takes a bit of a leaf out of of hooper's book as well and uh sort of is you know bad mouthing quint behind his back when he's sort of like oh you know I can go slow ahead. Go on, you come on down and chum some of this. Like it's so, it's so great. It's so wonderful. And I, oh, stroppy teenage Brody is maybe my favorite Brody. <laughs> it's yeah, it's great. I like. I know he doesn't because it's 1975. But my brain, like when he does, I love my my favorite line. Uh, besides the iconic one in this is. And the the quit playing with yourself is when he gets mad at Hooper for no reason. He's just like, "Well, you heard him. Slow ahead." <laughs> but I know, yeah. I know it's 1975, so I know he doesn't do this. But it almost feels like he pulls out his iPod headphone, yells yeah. at Hooper for no reason other than he's existing on the other side of the boat, and then just pops in like his Hawthorne Heights, Ohio is for lovers, back into his uh, back into his skull. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's um, kind of his retort to being told to do this job that I, I can tell you as someone who has spent time in fish markets as a child. Um, yeah, it's something you never get used to. Mm. And I don't envy him in this scene and doing this job. Mm. So I feel like it's kind of him just being like, yeah, come on, you do your job. You know, like he's <laughs> almost trying to join in um, and sort of get a bit of a footing again. Because as you guys have pointed out in previous weeks, he's very much the bottom of the ladder again because he doesn't know mm -hmm. what he's doing. He's fumbling around this boat. So you're right. It's kind of him, I think, lashing out a little bit, not maliciously, but as you guys say, kind of like a stroppy teenager way, which is, as you say, Sarah, it's very funny to watch back, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think he even says, like, let Hooper take a turn. Like, it's yes. just... Yeah. It's yeah. so wonderful. And I they, I mean, they really focus in on that uh, that bucket as well. It's gross Oof. like you sort of see like the fish guts and yeah i'm glad that smell vision still doesn't exist because i can only imagine that the smell of that bucket is absolutely rank so mm. yeah, it, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. agreements from harley <laughs> oh yeah i speak from experience yeah no 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 never again <laughs> I, I think we are um sort of also missing a layer here in that a lot of this is driven by anxiety and fear mm. right like he's scared yeah um he doesn't want to be here so uh you know i know on days when my anxiety's kicked up i'm way more irritable and so um i think there's there's a level of that at play here too that actually i think it's really good um scripting to kind of lean into that uh that because he's on edge because of his his fear being on the water he's just more amped up in every single possible way. Mm. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah, you, you, I think you're absolutely onto something there. Mm. 
it could even be like a, a a proximity thing as well because if if he is out like throwing this this ch- this charm out the back of the boat mm-hmm. if the shark is going to appear which it does uh this is going to be where where it goes to to get its you know tasty little snacks um and you know brody is maybe wishing that that he could be in hooper's position and be like at the top of the boat and and be uh steering the boat or or driving the boat which is which is the job that Hooper has has been given because that sort of puts him further away from from danger and i mean this is fast forwarding to the to the end of the film to get away from the shark or to get the best kind of vantage point Hooper goes to the to the crow's nest like where we're seeing Quint, Quint now is is where he climbs up to to sort of like get the best position to to take a shot at the shark so it's sort of like creating that distance i guess between the where the danger is which is the water to brody because as we know he he has a fear of of the water um so it's that like not wanting to do it because it's a really gross and disgusting job but also just like i would like to be as far away from the water and the shark as possible please (laughs) well and also he's got the illusion of control if he can if he can determine where the boat's headed too Mm. oh that's yeah, really, really good point there. I never, I'd never thought about that. <laughs> yeah, mm. I, I think you're absolutely right. That could be could be the case. And I even noticed when he was sort of when he picks up the bucket and he walks over to the edge, he's like almost looking over his shoulder and sort of like you get the sense that he wants to say something, but as you guys say, he kind of gives up and just resorts to sort of childish, you know, <laughs> mocking and <laughs> and jesting. Mm. Mm. I will say we do see he's got his sea legs on a bit more in this scene because he's not yeah. resorting to dousing that rag uh, and sniffing it the <laughs> mm, way he was yeah. when he first did the chum line. So, you know, and what can I what I can only assume is like probably peppermint oil, because I know that's what they use in medical facilities um, mm. when like not to be gross. But, you know, like in an emergency room, if someone has like a super infected whatever and they need to you know mm. clear it it's it smells really bad and i what not from experience but from knowing people in the medical industry i've mm. asked the question and they said oh we put um peppermint oil in our masks mm-hmm. uh and it, it helps kind of stop the smell mm-hmm. um and so i assume that's what he was using in that scene but he doesn't need it here so he's he's getting there yeah that's a, yeah that's actually a really, really good point because, like, the first, uh, the sort of the first bit on the orca, we see like Brody at the back, and not only does he like have, uh, the the rag and his like little bit of zinc oxide on his nose that Ellen packed mm-hmm. for him, he also has a life jacket on in that scene. Um, so he is gradually, I guess, <laughs> coming to terms with with being at sea. Uh, he's got this like cut on his head now uh and is sort of you know has experienced the first uh i guess possible interaction with the shark when he was sort of like helping quint you know with wetting the reel and everything else so Mm -hmm. it's he has had to grow up like really quickly which is actually why that point about him sort of acting like a you know a kid having a tantrum in the last scene or like a, a stroppy teenager in this scene is is quite is so relevant because he is having to I use the phrase like grow up, but sort of like uh, grow comfortable or become more at ease with where he is and and his position on the boat, because this isn't going to change anytime soon. They are on this boat for, you know, X amount of time. They don't know however long it takes to 
to get the shark. So he has had to uh, become more comfortable with his surroundings and, and just the fact that we see him, you know, even his um his posture, like when he sort of like is is charming as well. Like previously he was like, I think he was like on his knees or like crouched down, right? When he was sort of like charming before um, and had the life jacket, like I mentioned. But in, in this scene, he is like, I don't know, one leg kind of like confidently up on the on the back of the boat as he is like chumming this this stuff in. He's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth as well, looking very, very cool. I don't know if anyone looks uh, as cool as Roy Scheider with a, with a cigarette hanging out of their mouth. Um, but yeah, he is he has changed so much in such a short amount of time. And I mean, it feels like weeks ago that we talked about that scene because it was. Um, but in film terms, that was what a couple of minutes ago, like five, six yeah. minutes ago. Like it wasn't that long ago that, yeah. that he was like that. Well, I think, you know, it goes to prove that Brody is Groot. <laughs> okay. I'm, now I'm just imagining, like, I, I am Brody. <laughs> I am Brody. <laughs> oh. <laughs> In a little pot. <laughs> Did not see that coming, yeah. but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. yeah. Why not get Alex to, Alex to mock that up? Brody in a little pot. Oh, a little dancing <laughs> <through> Brody. <laughs> With some zinc oxide on his nose. Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. Mm. <laughs> Would buy. Would definitely buy. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Would buy. <laughs> That's your dumbest. next t-shirt idea right there. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I love the way the shark comes out in this. I think we're headed in that direction, it yeah. seems. Um, <laughs> because Brody's like turned around talking shit to Hooper still. Uh, once again, not Hooper's fault. Just still yet mad at Hooper. Um, unless he's talking to Brody. Or Quint, sorry. Um is is he talking but i feel like he's talking to hooper about like wanting to switch places though right mm-hmm. am i right about yeah. that yeah yeah, yeah, I yeah. Agree. so he's just like he's pissed at hooper still for once again no reason but the shark pops up and he doesn't even realize it like it takes him a beat before he even realizes what's like between mm. when the shark pops up and when he realizes the shark pops up it's two mm. different beats mm. and mm. it's really great because he's like focused on like yelling at hooper and then he like hears something in the water, so he like turns his head to check it, and he's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> I had in my notes um, just the snapback that Brody does. <laughs> like, I'm surprised you didn't have whiplash from that. It's such a visceral kind of like, huh! you know, like you just she's straight up, <laughs> and just like the dead ahead stare that he has for the rest of that those few seconds. It's it's so real, but it's also so funny at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is one thing that I mean we we continue talking about this, but like how well Jaws does this in terms of balancing the the scares and and the laughs, and you get mm-hmm. both like at the same time in this scene, which is like I I imagine when people first saw this film. I know that that bit was one of the ones that like really freaked people out and everyone talks about like the moment that the shark pops up out of the the water um but where you sort of like that bit makes you like feel startled or scream or whatever it is your reaction to it 
Brody's reaction to it and like you said that sort of like giving himself whiplash moment where he like moves so quickly is so funny as well that it's kind of like before you've even had time to like finish your scream or like finish feeling scared you're laughing and Mm. it's just so well done I don't know if any other moment in the film sort of uh shows that idea as as well as this one does in terms of it it really treading that fine line between like scares and laughs and i think jaws has both of those things in equal measure and it knows exactly when to use them and that is what makes this moment so so effective um i I love the I love this shot so much that one of the <laughs> one of the many jaws things that I own uh is like you can buy the sort of like little bits of the film reels and and stuff like a, mm-hmm. a film cell um yep. uh, one of my friends knows how much I love like this particular bit where that shark is like popped up in the background and and Brody is sort of like looking towards the camera um that i own like one of those like cells of film and it just it brings me joy every single time because i get to just like look at that like bit of the film it's like on my desk with all my other jaws like paraphernalia so (laughs) it's it's wonderful yeah that's great Mm. i Mm. love the way it's edited right here where because there's a there's a cut between him looking at the shark and him recoiling yeah but it's edited so smoothly that it feels like it's all one motion Mm -hmm. um and it's one a great editing choice but two a great performance from roy scheider because in the preview shot his brow is furrowed he's like you know bogarting the cigarette and he's talking out the side of his mouth and kind (laughs) of you know he's more chill than i think he realizes actually because he's he's not even looking at the water anymore he's not even hyper focusing on this thing that's bringing him fear Mm -hmm. and then he sees that and then he snaps and his forehead is tense his eyebrows are up, his lips are closed really tightly, like he, like that cigarette is the last bastion of reality that he has. <laughs> um, and his, like, he's just completely, you know, te- he's, he's standing at attention, almost like a soldier. Mm. Mm. I have a little bit of trivia, actually, um, on this scene from, there's a really good behind-the-scenes documentary you can get if you have the Jaws DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently, coming back to what you were saying just a minute ago, Sarah, about the laugh-screen dynamic, this was uh, engineered. I remember there's a, there's a bit where Spielberg talks about this moment in particular. Mm-hmm. And he said that was the intention is you've got Hooper. Uh, sorry, it's, I'm doing it as well. I'm getting all the names. <laughs> <my voice. laughs> like the universal um, guy. <laughs> I know. Uh, Brody <laughs> um, is a, it's a given off. And it's that moment. Apparently Spielberg did this because um, the film, they wanted to get it a PG-13 rating. Mm-hmm. and you can only get away with so much cursing and there's that moment where he swears and that's when the shark pops up and apparently that was deliberate spielberg set that up so the idea was to get a kind of awkward laugh from the audience and that you get you know like a sort of rebellious teenage laugh and an awkward adult laugh kind of like oh you know um but then as you're kind of doing that awkward chuckle you then see the shark so and in his words the the idea was to get this kind of like <laughs> reaction you know and, and it works because you're sort of chuckling at, at, Bro- at Brody's behavior and what he's saying and then mm. like you say that comes up in that exact moment so it's again it's just the genius of Spielberg that's actually that's a really really good point actually because that that line being right before it it is kind of like mm. the scream sandwich if you will it's like laugh scream laugh yeah. because you get the yes. the 
the laugh of the 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 line delivery and being you know come and come and chum some of this shit and like we i will always uh, delivered in the right context someone cursing in a film like especially like mm. that when it is delivered in that way will generally make me laugh so whilst you're laughing at that line like you said then the <laughs> then the shark appears to not only startle brody but startle us as the audience and then his reaction and his kind of like immediate uh recoil at it is funny again so it's like it mm-hmm. really puts you into that kind of like frantic state. Like I can feel <laughs> my heart rate increasing as I just talk about this bit because no matter how many yeah. times I've seen this film, I find this bit like so not scary anymore, but just like exhilarating because you go from mm. it's so quick. Like the way you go from from finding that line funny and the and the 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 really funny bits that happen prior to that as well like we get the you know maybe hooper drives the boat chief only makes me laugh but that makes me laugh <laughs> uh you know brody being stroppy that makes me laugh the stop playing with yourself hooper like there's a lot of like really funny and memorable bits in this scene before we even get to like the bit like this bit that we're talking talking about now so we've started to relax a bit i think like considering how tense the the last bit is this is kind of the start of this shot is is sort of quint at the top and the it feels like a it's either a new day or it's later in the day and you're sort of getting that sense of starting to relax a little bit you know they didn't catch the shark whatever it was that bit previously has has gone um so we as the audience are starting to relax a little bit as well um and then you you get the sort of like the the release of the 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 laughter and those funny lines and the way they're delivered but then you get this like really effective uh scream sandwich as i'm now calling it which i just think is is so <laughs> is so wonderful <laughs> absolutely i'm really trying to work out a joke with like scream sandwich and ice cream sandwich and i got nothing <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh... <laughs> I was just thinking of the, you know, in um, <laughs> this is Spinal Tap. The is it Shark Sandwich? Like one of the yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and there's like the review of it is like <laughs> shit sandwich. Shit sandwich. <laughs> so good. You can't print that. I love this is Spinal Tap. <laughs> just the side note. <laughs> oh man, I could do an episode on that. That's so good. Um, we'll flip fun, the tables fun. and do a fundamentals with you and Spinal Tap. <gasps> Oh yes. yes, please. Um, yeah, that. Um, <laughs> just side, just side note, because that line was improvised by Rob Rainer apparently to try and crack up the rest of the guys, and you can kind of see it when you watch yeah, that scene. Um, I love it. But anyway, <laughs> there's a. Uh, oh gosh, who was it? There's one of those hair metal bands had. They did have a similar review though, to it. Um, was it Van Halen or Def Leppard? It was one of those like '80s hair metal bands where mm-hmm. they had an album and then Rolling Stone reviewed it and they basically said like shit sandwich <laughs> and that was the entirety of the review and it ruined the joke in this is spinal tap for them because they were like well that's not funny it happened to us like <laughs> this is our real lives how dare they take the mick out of it <laughs> you know I'm now googling that right <laughs> trying yeah. to find who, who had that <laughs> yeah I can't to. remember um Yep. I need to get off this because I'm getting really distracted. <laughs> <laughs> All I could find was something on the Rolling Stone website. Um, yeah, some guy gave a, a review similar to that to a band called GTR that I've never heard of in 1986. Mm. So there you go, if anyone's curious. Um, 
if, if you know, tell us, because I think that's a really cool story if that's true, MJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was on, I can tell you, this will help you narr narrow down your Google search. It was okay. on the VH1 TV show, I Love the 80s, is where I heard <laughs> oh, that okay. story. So it was, it was someone who was interviewed for that show was, was on that. <laughs> Oh, what am I doing with my Google? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being uh, I've now entered your world of just random Google. <laughs> yeah, being on an LJ Fam episode will uh, cause havoc with your Google search history, as yeah. I have learned the hard way many times. Mm. <laughs> yeah. If either one of us passes away during the, the run of LJ Fam, people are going to look at our Google history and be like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and then the discord uh channel will be there as well just as further evidence <laughs> yeah you have to destroy it yeah, <laughs> yeah. destroy all evidence uh no nothing's coming up on that anyway we need to get back to the, the actual <laughs> episode uh i feel like derailing for spinal tap is is acceptable 100 um, yeah. it feels yeah. correct <laughs> Hey everyone, uh, MJ from the Edit Bay here, and I found it. Um, I'm being quiet because Kristen's asleep in the other room again. I edit late at night. It was Quiet Riot on the 1984 episode of I Love the 80s on VH1. Their second album was called Condition Critical, and the review that was published by an unnamed publication was Condition Critical terminal so there you go should we, should we talk about the line yeah i mean <laughs> yeah if, if you must <laughs> this, this should we talk about this total throwaway line that we were ending the uh the scene on i would kind of love if we just stopped here oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> didn't address it <laughs> it's so many complaints <laughs> i know i know so I, many not... people would be so mad <laughs> Just like a running joke, you never reference it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, like, just like, end it here. See you later. It's just o'clock somewhere. We'll be back next week. <laughs> and uh. <laughs> anyway, next week's episode. Anyway, nothing happened last week, so <laughs> yeah. no, no, we, uh, uh, we, we, we've, we've, we've got to, we've got to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, well, it has to be the greatest movie quote of all time, right? I would yeah. say. Yes. <laughs> In my, all it's my one, bias. It's one of those it's one of those that like transcends the film to the point where if for whatever reason you've never seen Jules, which hey, it can happen. Some people live in caves. Um and if that happens, you will at some point have heard this line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then when you see the film, it's one of those moments of like, oh, that's what that's from. And mm -hmm. I think that's always the mark of just something I don't know, that just is so iconic you know and, and transcends pop culture yeah and it is it is used in so many other films as well and a, a surefire way to get the mm -hmm. uh sarah pun noise out of me is if i see another film that has some kind of variation on this line so mm. i think it was in like one of the fast and furious trailers where they said like <laughs> It was like you're gonna need a bigger truck or you're gonna need a bit of like a i'm sure it was something like that and i like in the cinema was like way <laughs> like just yeah, real moment yeah. yeah real excited <laughs> uh they say it in 
it's it's in one of the Disney films as well. I want to say Treasure Planet. Um, and I, when I was doing that Disney series, said that like whatever Disney film had a Jaws reference in it would immediately become my favorite Disney film. And I regret saying that because that is not a very good film. Um, but I uh, appreciated the, the <laughs> reference. The guy, the guy kind of looks like Rhodey a little bit in Treasure Planet. He does a little bit. The main guy, mm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it it does it with I feel like say, you know, it, it, it transcending the film, I feel like in any other situation I'd be like, mm, that's kind of a that's like a pretentious thing to say, but like it's so it so fits with this. You are completely a hundred percent right, Harley. It does, because everyone knows that line or some variation of it, regardless of whether they have seen the film or not, because it is used so often it is you know it it isn't the one i use most in my everyday life as we have established but i still do use it quite a lot in fact martin used it yesterday uh because he served up his pasta for dinner and the bowl he put it in was far too small and he said you're gonna need a bigger bowl and i was like you are (laughs) so it does it does work in any situation where something is uh smaller than you would require it to be it fits uh it really is the quote that can do it all i feel and everyone I mean, knows it 100 percent. and I, I just now have hopped onto esquire.com and there's apparently i'm just scrolling through a list of 40 references um to that oh, line yeah. and it's, oh, wow. it's everything you can think of it's tv shows movies songs commercials <laughs> like it's it's just everywhere in some form or another it's mm-hmm. it's absolutely incredible. And as we were saying earlier, it makes sense as a line. <laughs> you just hear it and you go, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are going to need a bigger boat, yeah. I um, <laughs> Maybe my favorite, well, not my favorite, because it was a dreadful, dreadful film. But when I, a few years ago, did a uh, uh, shit shark movie marathon, is what I called it. Um, where I just watched all of the, not just like the bad shark films, but like the really bad shark films. Uh, I did it for charity. We raised a lot of money. It was good. Um, But I would say that every single one of those films that I watched, uh, particularly the ones that were, you know, shooting for silly. So your Sharknadoes, Mm -hmm. your Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, like those sort of ones... Um, every single one of them like has a reference to Jaws in it. Uh, my personal favourite was from the worst film that I have ever seen, uh, which is called Shark Exorcist. And uh, the line that they say in that is, you're going to need a bigger cross. And I... it <laughs> might have, I may have been delirious uh, because it was like a 24-hour marathon. I've not had a lot of sleep, but I... <laughs> wept with laughter i cried for like 10 minutes and somewhere there's a video of because martin did it with me because this is what i i make him do whenever i do anything outrageous uh is uh, (laughs) we like filmed our like reactions to it or like our kind of immediate thoughts after that film and i will have to find that video because it is us just absolutely crying with laughter at that line um and it's (laughs) really silly gonna need a bigger cross it's pretty good though (laughs) it is pretty good it's a terrible film please no one watch it but also watch it so i'm not the only person who's seen it (laughs) 
Uh, I... Uh. <laughs> this, this, this line, this clip of him backing in there and saying a line, it's also, like, whenever, like, any, like, awards body wants to do, like, a, a montage that's, like, a celebration of the movies or whatever, this, mm. that's in there. A hundred, I don't think I've seen one that doesn't have that in there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it yeah. is, yeah, it is one of the most iconic lines in the film. And I think, you know, like you said, even the weird thing, and I think I mentioned this early on in the podcast, the weird thing about Jaws is that you'll see kids reference Jaws having no idea that they're <laughs> referencing Jaws. Um, oh, yeah. Because there's two things everyone knows, and that's the theme. And you're going to need a bigger boat. And you'll see like kids playing in the ocean or in the pool or whatever. And they're do- they're quoting that line and doing the theme song to Jaws. And they may not even realize where that reference is coming from because they saw it on some, you know, cartoon or whatever that they saw because everything mm-hmm. references it. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys know the history of this? I was quite interested when I, uh, I looked this up. No. no. Now I feel bad, no, but not okay. doing some well, Googling. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. Because I, I was kind of curious. I thought, it's such a good line. It was one, yeah. And because famously this film had a lot of rewrites and things, you know, towards the end. Mm. I was thinking, was this like an improvised thing? Or was it, you know, I don't think it was in the book. Um, so, I mean, to be honest, nothing really good from the book made it into this, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> you know, all the good stuff comes from Spielberg and his screenwriters. So I looked this up and apparently it was a bit of an inside joke for the crew because it became a sort of catchphrase amongst everybody because famously this film had a lot of uh, production issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't, it's a bit hazy on like who came up with it. They think it might've been one or two producers, but it became a bit of a running thing. Whenever something went wrong, they would just say, Oh, you're going to need a bigger boat. Um, or like something, you know, worse to that effect. And it just became yeah. like a catchphrase. Like, so whenever something went wrong, someone on the crew would just say it and i think apparently that's where it came from they got to the point where they were putting this bit together and they thought do you know what that's such a fun little line let's just throw it in um so i imagine it would have made the crew kind of happy watching the film and hearing that back but of course you know like a lot of great things that become iconic they would have had no idea that it would just become this this moment in the film very much how like you know in terminator when he says i'll be back Mm -hmm. they didn't think that would be a thing and it becomes like the most memorable line from the film so I think it's just it's kind of funny when you hear that uh, that backstory. Mm. I think it's it's always obvious when a a certain line has been written to be like this is going to be like the line like this is going to be the thing that people yeah. remember and it is <laughs> it doesn't always like work that way or it or it does just because it has been written with that exact intention but I think that this line doesn't doesn't feel like that i mean there is a a big build up to that line being said but Mm. i do wonder if that was then like added in like after it was decided that this line was gonna was gonna be a part of it because you you get that sense of anticipation and when you as a as a jaws fan have seen this film as many times as we have you're it's it's that bit in the simpsons where they're making bart say i didn't do it like it's that sense of anticipation like <laughs> everyone's sort of crowded around and then he says the line and everyone's like way yeah. <laughs> again yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that that movement as well of of brody i think is so wonderful like it is it is 
this moment in the film is more than just that line because it is the shark popping up, it is Brody's reaction to it, it is the fact that Brody like reverses away from the shark, like he doesn't take <laughs> an an eye yeah. off the shark. Um, mm. It's the line itself because you would think, or uh, my reaction would be, oh shit, it's a shark. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I wouldn't sort of like calmly back away and be like, you're gonna need a bigger boat, but it it fits for <laughs> it fits for Brody's character because he is this very uh, practical, logical. So sorry, practical, logical, sensible person. Uh, so he must be terrified, and I think he is probably thinking that because you see it in his face. Um, mm. But like you said, Harley, the the line works so well because like it is true <laughs> they probably are gonna yeah. need a bigger boat it's like it is the exact yeah. thing that feels that feels right that Brody would say because he and i love that he repeats it as well like we get it a bit later yes. when he's like <laughs> up, up top on the deck and he's like we're gonna go back and get a bigger boat right i oh it's just mm, chef's kiss i love it so much <laughs> it's so good it's just a reason i, I was just barely laughing when you were talking it's, um, just because I was picturing in my head like the alternate takes for this scene and, yeah. like one of them would just be a high pitched scream from Brody like when Quint just turns to him and just him going yeah you know, or um, or like or one of my favourite tropes in any movie like a running joke is when they say the title of a film yeah. so I like to think that an alternate take would have been Quint would have been old job yes exactly yeah Brody just goes it's Jaws you know like, like, Stath like Statham like Statham in, in, in the Meg when he goes yeah. it's Megalodon I just yes. picturing that but like Brody going it's Jaws and then like title credits <laughs> like... oh I love that I love that so much <laughs> yeah, I think it's safe to say they made the right decision yeah. Jaws it's, it's the Jaws <laughs> it, yeah it's our Jaws even better it's yeah. a Jaws yes yeah <laughs> Oh man, it's uh, a job. <laughs> I oh, think I one of the things that <laughs> has gone overlooked for pushing 50 years now, as I've never seen anyone talk about this, is mm -hmm. that Quint is the Green Lantern. Sorry, what? <laughs> oh, you're right. No, I get it. Yeah, you're... <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this up, right, because... You've obviously done the same thing that I did, MJ, in that um, I, I actually have a section of my notes called What's in Quint's Cabin? Um, and <laughs> one of them was a lantern. I noticed the lantern. I, was, I did think to myself, yeah, that's a bit of a Green Lantern kind of vibe going on there. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the one that falls off later and starts the fire, right? Yeah, yeah. I, th I think you're yeah. right. <laughs> so, yeah, I was, I'm on your wavelength, MJ, is my point. Yep. I love the confusion followed by the like the realization in your face. <laughs> it really brought me joy. <laughs> it was really great. So what are you talking about? Oh hey, no, yeah, you're onto something. No, I'm not. <laughs> I just want to justify my really stupid notes, but yeah. <laughs> All of my notes are insane always. Don't worry. I read them back and I'm like, what? Does I mean, again, mean? I have a I have a list of what's in his cabin. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I've got three bottles of alcohol, possibly wine, mm -hmm. uh, dented kettle, a very dented kettle. Uh, I might note some sort of net that's holding rags. I'm guessing 
a tiny piece of paper that you can't make out, um, pro- probably tied or so, you know tied times or something like that. A mirror in the style of a galva, and a small lantern like the one in Green Lantern. So there you go. <laughs> this is how I spend my Friday afternoons. <laughs> oh. I love the what's in Quint's cabin. Like I'm just turning yeah. it into a game show in my head now. <laughs> you should put a little jingle when I say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stick it, stick it reminds me of the 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 TikTok. It was a Vine, I guess, but it's popular on TikTok now. The who's that yeah. Pokemon? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pikachu! It's Pikachu! <laughs> it's the character this whole episode has been about. I think we're yeah. done. <laughs> Uh, MJ, I want to hear more about your Quint Green Lantern theory. I mean, he's got the lantern right there. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> that was as far. That's as my the only piece went. of. Yeah, that's as far as I got. You have to check his hands for the ring. Mm. Yeah, I know. I did. I was kind of looking around to see if he's wearing a ring, but I don't think he would be. <laughs> he's the kind of guy that like just puts it down and forgets about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's impractical to have that on the ocean. You get water True. trapped under there, it'll give you yeah. get your skin yeah. irritated. Yeah. <laughs> also, you're running the risk of degloving because you're handling all this stuff, you know? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of my biggest fears, surprise. Oh. <laughs> yep. I'm terrified of it. I don't really have, like, a reason to be. I don't work with my hands at all. I, I do, yeah, and I, I never wear it uh, when, I'm, when I'm out working, but still. Yeah. I mean, it happened to Jimmy Fallon. He just was at home. Really? Yeah, he fell and he like went to catch himself on his counter and he he reached out with his left hand and his ring caught the corner of his counter what? and it degloved his ring finger. Ooh. Yep. <laughs> Did not think we we're going to go there on this uh this conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I can uh, I can uh, I can reel it back to this this scene. Hey. Um, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, you did that at the same time. That made me happy. Um, MJ's learning. Yeah. <laughs> one of us. One of us. <laughs> um, what I another thing that I that I love about this moment is that um we've established where Quint is sat in the sort of like moment prior. Like we've sort of see, seen Quint like go and sit down in that part of the boat, uh it, like getting ready <laughs> getting ready for the this sort of like moment of of brody reversing back into the into the cabin so i like that as a you know we know what's coming and it's sort of like setting up that that moment um but what i really really love is uh the way brody looks when he does uh sort of reverse back into into the cabin and I'm not sure which one of you mentioned it earlier, but sort of someone said something about like him being like a soldier. Um, and the thing that I That's wrote MJ. down in mm. my notes was that um, Brody in this in this particular moment looks shell shocked. Uh, mm. And a couple of things that sort of like contribute to that as well is he has still got that visible cut on his on his forehead, which he has not uh put anything on as uh as quint has ad- advised previously he's obviously either not found the first aid kit or just decided he didn't need it um so he's got that sort of like wound on his head and with those like cigarette hanging out of his mouth as well um you and just uh, he suddenly seems to have aged <laughs> in that moment as well you just suddenly see all these lines on his faces on on his face and it's just so 
it's so wonderful. It just really, yeah, it made me think of that sort of like picture of like a shell shocked uh, soldier, like what they've just seen, uh, just not even being able to like comprehend uh, what it is that is about to happen or what has just happened. Yeah, it's this it's this combination, though, of like cop mode to, OK, I'm going to be honest, everything I know about being a law enforcement officer, I learned from the Silence of the Lambs. But uh, <laughs> they, uh, you know, he doesn't take his eyes off the threat, which is like one of the things that they talk about in that movie, I'm pretty sure, because she like doesn't check the corners or mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, mm. But you always want to make sure you're in line of sight of, you know, the threat. And so he does that. But he also is completely out of his element on how to deal with this, so he doesn't know what to do. Um, and I really like that he still is just like, well, I gotta, I gotta keep this thing in my sight. Uh, as you know, it, it like cop brain is still like mixing in with like fear brain at mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. See, now I'm just imagining the shot popping up and going, "Hello, Brody." <laughs> <laughs> Have the fish stop screaming. <laughs> Have the fish stop screaming. <laughs> I I love uh, that we are taking the the most well known bit in Jaws and then just putting these like alternative uh, lines over it and our, our other options for what Brody could have said uh. when when the shark appeared were wonderful uh, and this seems like an appropriate. Uh. <laughs> time to mention that when the shark uh pops up sometimes i like to add the the voice of the shark uh to that uh so sometimes it is like the here's johnny from the uh, the shining uh <laughs> bit, but here's brucey which they steal in finding nemo so you know yep <laughs> um but also i just like to imagine that the the shark uh listens to this podcast somehow because time travel and pops up and is like, way! <laughs> uh, please, someone, uh, make that. <laughs> make that clip. Uh, it would make me so happy. <laughs> have you guys seen... I haven't seen the film, but there's the, the clip from that Steve Zahn movie, oh, Strange Wilderness, with the goofy-looking shark. I don't think I've you seen know what I'm talking about? No, I, no. <laughs> no, I have to Google this. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, this will only this will only make sense if you guys see it. Uh, so I will edit this. What bit out. is that? What? <laughs> that is so silly. <laughs> anyway, that's the <laughs> that's what you saying that reminded me of. <laughs> okay. We will have to, uh, yeah. I mean, imagine this bit will get cut, but yeah, we'll share that because that's funny. Yep. Anyway, you mentioning that just, I, whenever a shark pops up, I picture that goofy ass laugh from Strange Wilderness, a film I haven't seen. <laughs> oh man. Also, if you guys remember the Nicholas, I don't know how big this show was overseas, but the show Doug. Mm-hmm. He had a neighbor that laughed exactly like that. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it. <laughs> okay. No, sorry, that's gone right past me. <laughs> okay, well, American <laughs> listeners will probably know what it is. Um... He had a neighbor who was purple named Mr. Dink, and Mr. Dink laughed exactly like Mr. Dink kind of looked like that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> the inspiration. Uh... <laughs> okay. Do... <laughs> I'm now wondering how much of this is going to be cut. Um, 
<laughs> all right, I can I can I can reel it back now. Yeah. Uh, Alrighty. I love the way uh Quint responds, which is not at all until he says something. <laughs> He's just like <laughs> completely ignoring Brody and then he mm. says something and he just kind of looks at him like, "What are you on about? Like what what is this?" Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. And Hooper's so just driving point. the boat. Hooper's just going slow ahead. He has no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's something I noticed actually in, in the shot where he's uh, Brody's backing away is as you as you pointed out. Yeah, but um, Hooper's completely unaware. He's got his back to to him in the ocean. Mm. And yeah, you're right. Yeah, Quid just very nonchalant. Like, I think he's fixing the spool, um, so he's not really paying any heed to what's going on. So again, it's kind of it's kind of funny, but it's also quite good at putting. Um, Brody in the center of that moment because mm-hmm. he's like the only one it's like a, a sort of classic horror trope of like one character becomes aware of the danger and everyone else is oblivious it's it's perhaps like the thing that that starts to give Brody equal footing to the others as well because um he has seen something that they that they haven't and obviously in in next week's scene Quint sort of gets up and very quickly realizes that the the shark is there um but previously it is it has been sort of all about uh hooper and and quint as the ones who sort of have experience with with you know tracking sharks or or hunting sharks or whatever it is um but where there was all that sort of like noise and commotion with the the reel when when quint was you know attempting to reel in the shark this the shark popping up i mean obviously the characters in the film don't hear the john williams score so that shark has not popped up and gone way or made a noise or uh done a goofy laugh or anything um it has obviously <laughs> disturbed the water but the other characters are not aware like quint until brody backs in is not aware that something has just popped up hooper is unaware as well so for for sort of like the first time since they've got onto the orca brody has something that is going to be useful to the others that they don't know about. So I think it is it's significant that it is that it happens to Brody in many many ways, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And um yeah, as you say because he's the character that has all the anxiety mm. and has the issue around it. So yeah, it makes sense that you you as an audience was put in his shoes in that moment. He's the one that makes makes the discovery, if you will. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. MJ, are you trying to think of more things that the shark could have said when it popped its head out of the water? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's just like, it's Jaws o'clock now, bitch. Wait. Um. <laughs> does he say our tagline? Does he pop up and say it's Jaws o'clock somewhere? <laughs> yeah. That's oh, where that's we got that one. from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we yeah. yeah, if you turn the subtitles Ooh. on, he says it's Jaws O'Clock somewhere when he pops up. <laughs> what's the what's the film that I only know this from the clip, but the like Shark the... comes up from Margaritaville. <laughs> what's the film that has the line it's prime time, bitch? It's a horror film. Um Oh, I so I don't know. I've not seen the film, but it was it came up in like a film quiz, um, and it really really made me laugh. Um, oh, Dream Warriors, Nightmare on Elm Street three. Welcome okay. to prime time, bitch. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's, that. That's my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie. <laughs> ah. That's what I'm imagining the uh, the shark says when it when it pops up. 
Just like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> yeah. Brucey Krueger. Brucey Krueger. Um, okay. I feel like we're getting to that point in the episode. <laughs> so have you guys got anything else that you uh, noticed in this scene or that you wanted to mention that we've not covered yet? I mean, the only thing I can think is that I was surprised at how difficult it is to see the shark like just before it hits the surface. Because mm-hmm. I was watching quite closely and slowing it down and thinking, like, I bet you can see it you know just before but it, it's literally as it comes out yeah you know because because the ocean is surprisingly murky yeah. in that shot which i think just again it adds to that tension it adds to the shock of that moment because if it was really clear you'd see it coming from a mile up mm-hmm. yeah i think they really i mean they're using that northeast uh uh waters to their advantage in that um mm. in that similarly to i would say all of the west coast um waters in the northeast are pretty murky um Mm -hmm. like that so i think that's just an advantage they had in the geography of where they shot Mm. it's also overcast you can see it's it's overcast so it's just going to be a little choppier that day anyway Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah it really does come out of nowhere which i think is obviously why it's so effective and actually i just want to take this moment to praise the the practical effects uh because there was a lot of machinery going on underneath that shark. You can see the sort of like behind the scenes photos of of what the shark looked like, the the bits that we don't see uh, and all these sort of like components of it. Um, so to be able to keep all of that stuff hidden as well, like a fair play. I think it looks great. Oh, yeah. uh, every time we see this shark, I will continue to mention how great it looks for 1975 uh, because... It is something that I think people unfairly criticize about Jaws. You know, it's that classic, well, the shark looks Mm. fake. And it's like, look, buddy, 1975, (laughs) they did the best. (laughs) They did the best with what they what they had at the time. And I actually think that uh, good old robotic uh, flabby gelled Bruce in this film looks a hell of a lot better than some of these kind of really shoddy looking CGI sharks that we get in in some films now. So um yeah. i will oh, definitely. continue to sing the praises of uh of this lovely mechanical shark because uh we get him uh we get him a lot more from from this from this point on so uh mm-hmm. yeah get ready <laughs> <laughs> um okay that uh, feels like a good place to to leave things um harley this has been as delightful as i imagined it would be as chaotic as i had hoped it would be uh so <laughs> it's been a real uh real joy to have you back on so thank you so much for uh just <laughs> being willing to <laughs> come on and talk to us about the insane things we get into uh, uh talking about this film so uh yeah if you have anything that you uh would like to plug perhaps mention a certain little project that you are working on uh mm-hmm. as well then uh yeah now now is your chance well, first of all, thank you so much for having me back on. It's so much fun coming on talking with you guys. And yeah, I would love to plug my show, uh, Fundamentals. People want to come and check that out. The Elevator Pitch is it's the podcast that is going through pop culture one conversation at a time. So guests bring topics and we just chat about them and find out why they love certain topics. You guys have been on. You've had two episodes mm-hmm. each. MJ had Pinball and you had Disney, Sarah, mm-hmm. uh, Animation. 
and that was uh, and then we did a sitcom summer series which just kind of happened this <laughs> summer and i couldn't have been happier with the results because you guys came back on and sarah you brought the good place and mj mm-hmm. you brought 30 rock two shows that i absolutely adore uh, and it was so much fun having conversations with you guys about those shows respectively so if people are listening and they like the sounds of this definitely please go and check those episodes out there is also an episode about jaws which is quite early on with uh, a wonderful podcaster mark Woodyat. so i highly recommend people go and check those out uh, you can find me as well on you know twitter or social media places i'm sure you guys will put links in mm-hmm. show notes but it's basically at fundamentals pod and at harley mumford is twitter and instagram and yes the project so <laughs> Um, I basically have a call to arms, essentially, for your listeners. A call to uh, yums. Anyone who's... <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, to, to explain that, uh, people who haven't listened to the episode that I was on originally, way back when, in the Alex Kintner month, uh, thanks to MJ, I have now been signed up to what is i can only describe as the musical burden of my life um but i'm really happy to have it and that is uh that is a parody song that is from the perspective of the shark and it is to the tune of you somebody by kings of leon if you want the full context for that go back and listen to that episode because it makes sense in the moment or it doesn't i don't know either way i'm here now um so what's happened <laughs> since then is i've put all the instrumental stuff together i've been working on lyrics and vocal stuff um but i need your help dear listener with the chorus so anyone who's familiar with the song by kings of leon called you somebody go and listen to it if you haven't but there is a, a chorusy chant that runs throughout the song it's three notes um and i'm gonna well basically pardon my singing voice but it goes uh da 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 let's just read just one two three goes over and over and in the production of that, you know, they, they would have layered it. They put loads of reverb, blah, blah, blah. What I'd like to do for this purpose of this song is I'd like to replace those three just vowel notes with the words yum. So <laughs> basically, I want to get as many people as possible to send me audio recordings of them singing yum, yum, yum. If, if you can do that. It doesn't matter what your range is, if you're higher, if you're lower than that, if whatever, whatever's comfortable for you, please, please, please do it. Uh, you can email me. It's fundamentalspod uh, at yahoo.com. Make sure I've got that right. Or you can message me on social media. It doesn't matter how you record it. If you've got professional setup, you want to send me a WAV file. It's brilliant. If you just record it on your phone and want to send it to me as an MP3 recording, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is. I would love to have it. I would love you to send it to me because what I would love to do is get as many recordings as possible of that, layer it up, and then make this as epic and as stupid as it deserves to be. <laughs> so <laughs> I can only do it with your help. Um, so yeah, that, that's my call to arms for your listeners. Mm-hmm. If you want to come on board with this crazy journey, um, I would love to do it. And then as soon as the song is finished and ready, uh, we will send it over to you guys and you can play it. I cannot wait <laughs> i've been so excited uh to to hear it and to hear about your progress on it and uh i don't just want to speak for both of us but i i will definitely uh record a little something for you so that i can i can be mm. a part of this um i think it it, it feels right that we <laughs> we're both uh, on it as well uh and people don't have to worry about like their singing voices and stuff because the way it will be able to sort oh, of no, no, blended no. together is is 
uh, this sort of like effect of you know multiple voices so you won't sort of be like you know oh that's me and i sound terrible like it will all be uh yeah exactly i, I will also say this um i have software available which has like auto-tune correctly so i can line <laughs> it up to be exact if you really are worried about that yeah but i mean to be honest like you said think about when you're at a concert you know your voice is terrible because you're screaming off the top of your lungs but it doesn't matter <laughs> right when there's loads of people screaming it just sounds epic so that's what i'm going for yeah just send me it don't be shy i mean yeah you, you could hear from my voice i haven't got the best range or placement yet i'm still figuring this stuff out mm. it doesn't matter okay if you want to know more in fact i'll even go one step further if you're really like i don't know how to even approach something like that i advise you go and check out some content of a previous guest of mine a guy called chris lipe he's a wonderful vocal coach you can go on youtube he's got tons of free videos if you want some little tips on just how to belt something out or whatever figure out where you are go and check that out if it helps you get a bit more confidence send it my way i'll mix it in as sarah says when it all comes together it's going to sound amazing mm -hmm. yeah definitely definitely encourage everyone to to get involved with that and uh i would request that my vocals uh uh that you t-pain the uh the heck out of my vocals in terms of auto tune so <laughs> Well, now your next assignment after that is to do I'm on a boat, but about Quint, Brody, and Hooper. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Harley now regrets uh... coming back on <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> what, what, is, what is my musical life? Uh... <laughs> I, I had ambitions of writing original songs, but now I'm, I'm stuck to weird parodies. You're some sort of Jaws-specific Weird Al now. <laughs> Look, the people have been calling for this very, very niche, uh, this, <laughs> this niche performer, and you can answer that call, Harley. We believe in you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we will um, we'll tweet out all that uh, information as well if, if people want to know where to, to send um, those to. Um, but I think that'll be really, mm -hmm. really fun and a really cool thing to be to be a part of. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely encourage everyone to get involved with that. Uh, so we are uh, yeah get, uh, ready to round things up here, I think. But a uh, uh, couple of little housekeeping things we need to do, uh, including announcing some competition winners. Very exciting. Uh, so we had our uh, retweet competition run in, and uh, we also hit our our next donation goal on coffee which was incredible and unexpected uh so we get to announce both of these at the same time uh so the winner of the uh retweet competition is uh at digital sneeze uh that's a great twitter handle um andrew that fox is, yeah. mckay is uh the winner of that one so uh we'll be in touch with you just in case uh you don't listen to this but congratulations uh and well done to you and uh the winner from our coffee donors uh, a previous guest uh, a wonderful guest uh was uh lindsay buglis uh so she won the t-shirt in that coffee donors competition so big well done to both of those guys we'll be in touch with both of you uh to to get your details and whatnot but uh yeah if you uh would also like to have a chance of winning some merch uh we've set a new donation goal uh on our coffee page uh, we're just going to keep doing that, I think, because you guys have been incredibly generous. Um, 
In fact, we have a shout out as well. Uh, I'm really sorry if I get this name wrong. Uh, excuse my pronunciation, but uh, Sabine Chattard uh, donated and got us to our goal. So an extra big, huge thank you uh, to Sabine yes. for that donation. Um, and Sabine, and along with everyone else who has donated, uh, is eligible for our for our next draw. Uh, so you could also win, uh, as Lindsay did. And uh, yeah, all you have to do is donate through our coffee page. The link is in our Twitter bio um, for that. Uh, you can find us on uh, on Twitter. The show is at Jaws for a minute. I am at Sarah Buddery, and MJ is at MJ Smith eight nine one. You can contact us on there. Um, send us a DM uh, if you would like to. Uh, or you can also email us jawsforaminute at gmail.com. Uh, if we get any of uh, these uh, recordings for Harley sent to us, we will we will forward those over uh, as well. So yeah, if uh, if you've not noted down <laughs> Harley's details, you can send it to us. We'll make sure it gets to the right place. A um, couple of other ways you can support us, which we really appreciate. Uh, you can rate, review and subscribe on your uh, podcatcher of choice. Uh, that helps more people find the show pushes us up the rankings which is always nice to see uh you can buy some of our merchandise uh possible i am brody groot crossover merchandise to come question mark uh, <laughs> so you can get that through our t public and Redbubble uh pages the link to both of those is in our twitter bio and thanks as always uh to alex who is at hex ghosts on twitter uh for those designs he also designed uh harley's logo as well so uh we we love to thank him and shout him out on this uh, on this show, um, for all of his wonderful work. And uh, our theme song you can uh, purchase uh, is by MJ's wife. She is at Kristen Falls Music on Instagram. Uh, the link to purchase the theme song is in her bio on Instagram on uh, and on our link tree as well on our Twitter page. Um, I think that is about it for this Actually, week. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> uh, this is our this is our one year anniversary. Episode. Uh, so if you count episode zero, this is our 52nd episode, which is one episode every week for a year. Woo. Well, congrats, guys. That's amazing. Well, I forgot. <laughs> but you are, enti- <laughs> you are entirely correct. Uh, in my head, I had it was next week, but you, uh, you are right. I am wrong. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think it's officially the 22nd or 23rd, something like that, of September is yes. when episode yeah. zero went live yeah yeah and this this episode will be will be out by then so yeah thank you everyone for uh being with us for for a year uh it's, a year that's crazy <laughs> it's been a, a crazy crazy journey and there is only more insanity to come i feel uh, as we dive into the rest of this <laughs> film um so yeah a huge thank you uh everyone who listens and, and supports this is always a great opportunity to um to thank all of you for for listening and and helping us out in all the ways that you do so uh yeah we we really really appreciate that uh so until next time uh it is jaws o'clock somewhere <laughs>